0: Our reading this morning is from Galatians two fifteen to twenty one. We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Jesus Christ in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law no one will be justified. But if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ we too were found to be sinners For if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Well, before we jump in and look at the text that uh, Andrew just read for us, can I please invite you to pray with me? Father in heaven, uh, we thank you that you have spoken, and you've spoken clearly, and you've spoken deeply about our greatest need and i pray that this morning by your spirit you would you would speak again uh, through the sermon to our hearts and you would speak a word of life you would speak a word of encouragement you would speak a word of hope you would speak a word of forgiveness you would speak a word of righteousness through faith in jesus and that And that we would be rooted and we would be grounded in him as he is formed in us by your spirit. And we would walk in that newness of life. That newness of life that we have with him and through him and in him. Help us do that work in our hearts today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, last week, if you were here, um, we looked at chapter 2, the verses just prior to the ones we're going to look at this morning. We looked at verses 15 and 16, the first couple of verses that Andrew read for us. And there, in, in those verses, uh, we saw the main point was that nobody nobody can be justified or declared righteous or found righteous in the sight of God Nobody can be right before God by doing works of the law, by doing enough good things. That's not how we get right with God. Rather, Paul says, um, we are made right with God through faith in Jesus Christ. And he, he emphasized that point last week about three times. So in verse 16, here's what it says. We know that a person is not justified. That's to be declared righteous. A person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. Just what I told you. I wanted you to know that this comes from the Bible and not from me. The Bible is the authority. Now, this is this is the biblical teaching of what uh, theologians call justification by faith alone. In Christ alone. This is important, and so we're going to look at it. We're going to go deeper into this great truth again this week. See, to know that we are justified or right in God's sight through our faith in Jesus Christ is absolutely essential for knowing what it means to be a Christian. You can't be a Christian, no matter if you grew up in the church, and if you read your Bible, and you, you go to church. You, you're, you're not a Christian unless you understand that you're righteous in the sight of God through your faith in Jesus Christ alone. See, see this is essential for us because um, the Bible plainly and repeatedly teaches that there's a problem. There's a very great problem. Here it is. God is holy, God is righteous, and God is just, and we are not. That's a problem. I don't know if you've thought about that before, but that's a significant problem. In fact, last week I said, I think this is, without a doubt, this is the greatest predicament Facing the entire human race, God is righteous. God is holy. God is just, and we are none of those things. This is the most serious problem, the most serious predicament facing the entire human race. This is this is more serious than than the environment. This is more serious than uh, disease. More serious than racism. More serious than war or famine or natural disasters or anything else that you can think of this morning. This is the most serious problem that we face as human beings. So the million-dollar question is, at the risk of repeating myself, how do we get right with God? And that's what this whole passage is about. The answer in Galatians 2 here, and the answer in the whole Bible, in fact, is that we are right with God through faith in Jesus Christ, and not by any good works that we can do, no matter how good or how moral or how spiritual or how religious those efforts might be. So that's a recap of last week's message. Now this morning, in the following verses, in verses 17 to 21, we're going to do a deeper dive. We're going to to kind of get at the foundations of where is Paul where Paul is coming from when he makes these claims. And so what Paul does in verse 17 is he, uh, having said that we're justified by faith alone, in Christ alone, apart from the law, he anticipates in verse 17 an objection. Rather, it's, it's an accusation. Look at what he says in verse 17. But if... In our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners. Is Christ then a servant of sin? Now, this is a tough verse, but it helps us to understand that Paul is writing here uh, from a Jewish perspective. You see, the thing is, besides being born uh, as a Jew, many Jews define themselves through the the covenant, the Mosaic covenant, that God made with the people of Israel at Mount Sinai. Therefore, Jewishness, Jewish identity, was really bound up. It was bound together with um, keeping the laws or observing the laws of Moses. Laws such as circumcision, um, eating kosher foods, uh, observing the Sabbath, and... Um, participating in, in religious holy days. All of these sorts of laws were the, the outward ways in which a Jew identified themselves as a Jew because of their, their commitment to the, the, uh, the Mosaic law. These things defined what it meant to be Jewish. It set them apart. If, if you were outside of the Mosaic law you were a Gentile sinner. And if you remember last week in verse 15, that's exactly what Paul said. He said, we ourselves, meaning Peter and Paul, he says, we ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Now, in verse 15, in light of that, having said that we're justified By faith in Jesus Christ alone and not by works of the law, he anticipates this accusation. If that is true, Paul, if you are justified in Christ, look at verse 17, then you too are found to be a sinner. And then does that mean that Christ is a servant of sin? See, from a Jewish perspective, a, a, a Jewish person who seeks to be justified through faith in Jesus Christ is, in a sense, abandoned, turned their back on the law of Moses. They've, in a sense, completely given up on their Jewish identity. They've They've joined themselves to those Gentile sinners. Does that mean, then, that Christ is somehow a servant of sin? Paul's response is brief, but unequivocal. Look at the end of verse 17. Certainly not. No way, Jose. In fact, I love what Paul does next. In verse 18, what he does is he turns the tables on that accusation. He says, no, Christ is not a servant of sin. I'll show you who a sinner is. And then verse 18, he says, For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. This is is a brilliant strategy. Paul is on the ball. See, a sinner is not someone who turns from the law in order to be right with God. Rather, a sinner is someone who seeks their justification through the law by doing works of the law. That's what Paul says a sinner is, a transgressor. See, here's the thing. The Mosaic law and the rest of the, New, uh, the, of the Old Testament nowhere teaches justification by keeping the law. It doesn't teach that. That is a misuse of the law. Here's the way I heard one pastor put it. Imagine that God's law is is a set of railroad tracks. Okay, you got that image? Try and connect that. Originally, God gave Israel the law as a set of railroad tracks in order to guide their obedience. And the engine that was supposed to pull a person down these tracks was the engine of God's grace in the power of God's Spirit. And faith is what coupled a person to the engine. And so, in the Old Testament and in the, in the, the Law of Moses, just like in the New Testament, salvation was always by God's grace through faith as it ran along the tracks of obedience you tracking with me so far i got to i got to do it where i can do it so here's the thing it's wrong for us to think that the old testament teaches justification by works and the new testament teaches justification by faith that's not that's not it the whole bible teaches justification by faith however and this is indicated way back in Genesis. However, the faith faith in God's grace runs in a, in a radically contrary way to our human desire for self-justification. And so what the Israelites did and we see this as far back as as the books of Moses, what the Israelites did is they took the, the, the railway tracks of the law and they ripped them up, the ties and the rails and the nails and all of it. They ripped it up and they turned it into a ladder. And they tried to climb. They tried to use the railway ties as rungs on a ladder to climb up to God. And this is the essence of what we might call religious legalism. When we turn the law of God that is meant to guide our obedience, and we turn it upward, and we say, if I just keep these laws, if I just am good enough, if I just do enough, then God will accept me. Then I'll be right in his sight. Then I will be morally worthy of earning his salvation. Now, this came to me last night, and I think there might be two people in the room, maybe three that are going to get this, but trust me. I was, I was exposed to this way of thinking. We're, we've all been exposed to this way of thinking. But I was exposed to this way of thinking at a, at a really early age. And I can't get it out of my mind. I used to sing it with a friend of mine. I don't It was a little weird. But uh, through this, this very popular song called Last Kiss. Do you remember that song, Doug? It's by J. Frank Wilson and the Cavaliers. It was like number two in the charts in Canada. Here's the way the first stanza goes. Well, where, oh, where can my baby be? The Lord took her away from me. She's gone to heaven, so I got to be good so I can see my baby when I leave this world. Now, that's kind of funny. But that's the view. If I'm just good enough, God will accept me. If I'm just good enough, I can I can gain entry into heaven. I can see my girlfriend again. And that's the default position of the human heart since the fall of Adam. Whether you're religious or not, all of us without exception all of us are trying to justify ourselves in some way. We're trying to measure up. We're trying to be good enough. We're trying to be significant enough. If you're, if you're, if you're a secular person, you're, you're trying to be good enough to that standard that we talked about last week that, that you set for yourself. That'll be your measure. Or we can try and be good enough to see our baby in heaven. And this, Paul says, is what he tore down. This whole edifice, this whole religious ideology that thinks that somehow we can earn our way to God. We'll use the law as rungs of a ladder to climb up to God. Paul tears it all down. He tore down this, muse, this misuse of the law. Here's what he says in again in verse 18. For if I rebuild what I tore down, then, he says, I prove myself to be a transgressor. See, I'm a transgressor, he says, I'm a transgressor of the law if I misuse the law. And I try to, I try to establish it as a ladder rather than a, a, a railroad for my obedience. Christ City, let me encourage you this morning. Jesus Christ has removed the ladder. The gospel has, has destroyed the ladder. Don't even think of trying to climb the ladder to earn God's favor, to earn God's righteousness. It cannot be done. Look at what Paul says in Galatians 5.4. This is a serious warning. He says, you are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace. And given the propensity of the human heart to seek self-justification, I would suggest to you that this is a warning that all of us regularly need to hear and heed. Now in verses 19 to 20, Paul goes even deeper. Look at verse 19. He, he gives us the reason for what he said. He says, for through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. That's the goal. The deepest human longing of every human heart is to, to live to God. We were, we were made, we were created to know God and to live to Him and for Him. We, we have a Godward orientation. And we can never live to Him if we try to earn our way to Him by, by being good enough. That's what Paul is saying here. Paul's using himself here as a pattern for all of us, for all believers. We want to live for God. We want to enjoy God. We want to, we want to know and see and experience his glory. Psalm 1611 says, in his presence there is fullness of joy. That's what we want. That's what we're made for. That's what we, our deepest longing is for that. But in order to truly and fully live to God, two things have to happen. Two things have to happen. First, we must die to the law. Paul will explain later in this letter, in the book of Galatians, that the law was only given by God in order to lead us to Christ. And the logic of Galatians that we're going to see is that now that Christ has come, the law no longer applies. The law no longer has any authority over the life of a believer. So Paul says, through the law, I died to the law. When did that happen? What happened? When he trusted in Jesus Christ. I touched on this last week, but it bears repeating. Jesus Christ, Galatians 4, 4 tells us, Jesus was born under the law. Jesus Christ kept the law perfectly. And then, not because he deserved to, but then Jesus Christ paid the punishment for sin required by the law. And he did all of this for us, for you, and... And for me. And now, through faith in Him, the Holy Spirit joins us together with Christ so that, here it is, so that whatever He has done, we too have done. Let me repeat that. If your faith is in Jesus Christ this morning, whatever He has done, you have done with him and through him because of your faith in him. See, because Jesus completely fulfilled all the righteous requirements of the law through his life and through his death and through his resurrection, we too, with him, have completely fulfilled the righteous requirements of the law by faith. That's why in verse 20, Paul writes his own obituary. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. Every Christian, every Christian needs to say this about themselves. I have been crucified with Christ. Paul died to the law. You died to the law. Because through faith in Christ, you died when he died. You died with him. That's what your baptism into his death signifies. Paul expands on this point over in Romans 7, verse 4, where he says this. You have died to the law through the body of Christ so that you may belong to another. Who's that? To him who has been raised from the dead, in order that we may bear fruit for God. So, in order to be truly and fully alive to God, we must first die to the law. Second thing, we must be made alive in Christ. When you put your faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit... Joins you together with him so that what he has done, you too have done. You are joined with him in his death. You are joined with him in his resurrection. And now you share in the new life that he is living when he rose again from the dead and where he is reigning at the right hand of the Father. You and I are raised up with him and seated with him in the heavenly places. We are in him and he is in us. Romans 7, 4 alludes to this. He says, we belong to him who has been raised from the dead in order that we may bear fruit for God. Here's the thing that we need to realize this morning. There is a vast, vast, vast difference between trying to keep the law in order to earn God's acceptance and belonging to Christ in order to bear fruit for God. Those two things are as far apart as the east is from the west. You see, the law stands outside of us and it stands over us and it only makes demands. Demand after demand after demand. And we can't measure up. None of us can fulfill all the righteous requirements of the law. So the law only leads to our death. It only condemns us. But in Galatians, Paul is saying that the spirit, the spirit is in us, the spirit of Christ has taken up residency within us, and now his life is living through us so that we might bear fruit for God. That's a different paradigm altogether. That's why in verse 20, Paul says, it is no longer I who live. Please let this hit you this morning. This is the testimony of a Christian. It is no longer I who live, but what? but Christ who lives in me. That's the definition of a Christian. Christ living in the life of a believer. Henry Skugel called it the life of God in the soul of man. Paul's saying, I, I no longer have a life of my own. The only life that I have is the life that God has put into me through Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit. You see, through our union with Christ, here's the good news. We don't lose our identity. We have a a new or renewed identity. In fact, I would suggest to you that in Christ, you are more fully yourself, you are more fully alive than you have ever been. Because we're fully and finally alive to God, what we were created for. Here's what Don Fairburn writes. I love this. He says, the central reality of the Christian life is, is that believers are united in Christ. And the reason this is so central is because it links us to the central relationship. There is Christ's relationship to his Father. That's what it means to be a Christian. To to be joined together in Christ and to participate in the relationship that he has with his Father from all eternity by the Spirit. That's life. Our, our culture, I, we, we've got to become a whole new self. We, we've got to be renewed through faith in Christ because how, our culture's obsession with the self is, is a dead end. Are we beginning to realize that? You know, our culture just drones on and on and on about the self. We have uh, self-esteem and we have self-help and we have self-expression and we have self-realization and self-fulfillment and self-improvement. And frankly, doesn't it all sound a little bit narcissistic and boring? What we need is a new self, a self That is joined by faith to our Creator God. A self that has at the center of it the life of God, bearing fruit for God. It's no longer I who live, Paul says, but Christ Himself by the Spirit living in me. Is that your testimony? That's the testimony of a true Christian. Reflecting on this verse, Phil Reichen concludes, we will never find our true selves in w- until we find ourselves in Christ. See, because he has been crucified and raised up with Christ, and Christ now lives in him by the Spirit, now Paul describes not a life that that is defined by keeping the law, that's not the way he describes the Christian life. He describes it in a completely new and different way. Look at what he says in verse 20. The life that I now live, the life that I now live in the flesh, in my body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. See, the law can never do for us what Christ has done for us. The life of a Christian is is not trying to work for righteousness— that's what the law wants you to do, and it's a failed project every time. The life of the Christian is not working for our righteousness. The life of the Christian is working from our righteousness. That's, that's all the difference. That, and that's the difference between death and life. Not working for our righteousness, but working from our righteousness. I like it what someone said The life of a Christian is a life of becoming more of who you already are in Christ. Bearing fruit for God, becoming more and more and more of who you already are right now in Christ. Live into your identity. Years ago in the 17th century, John Bunyan wrote this little poem, which I, I think some of you have probably heard me quote. I just love it, where he, he contrasts this vast difference between trying to keep the law and, and then believing the gospel. Here's, here's the way it goes. He goes, run, John, run, the law commands, but gives us neither feet nor hands. Better news the gospel brings. It bids us fly and gives us wings. I love that poem. See, what the gospel does, when you believe in the risen and reigning Christ and his, his spirit is put into you through faith, when that happens, you are freed forever from the bondage of sin. And you are freed now to live into the goodness of God, the fullness of the life that we were created to live, bearing fruit for our Father who is in heaven, becoming more like Jesus, being conformed more and more into his own image. That's the life of a Christian. I think one of the great things about about legalism as opposed to gospel obedience Legalism, it just lacks any heart of worship. Gospel obedience is being compelled to to look at the Lord who loved me and gave himself up for me and said, how else can I live? I I just want to live for him. I want to honor him with my life. I want to do his will in the world. He's given me everything. Salvation and forgiveness and righteousness and reconciliation. Legalism says, give me a list. That's what I got to do. Okay. Just got to be good enough to see my baby in heaven. Well, Paul concludes this section in verse 21. He says, I do not nullify the grace of God. For if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. Christ died for no purpose. Brothers and sisters, if you're a Christian, because of the propensity of our hearts it is a hard thing. It is a difficult thing to remember who you are every day in Christ. It's easy to forget. And it's easy to drift back under this, this influence of, of uh, earning and performing and being good enough that God might be pleased with me somehow if I, if I just take care of these things in my life. It doesn't work. There's no way to God down that road. It's a dead end. It ends in a big pit. God does not call us to clean ourselves up and improve ourselves so that somehow he will accept us. You are accepted right now, today, no matter how messy, how screwed up, how disappointing your life is. You are accepted today, right now. How? through faith in Jesus Christ. To add the law, the works of the law to your faith in Jesus Christ, to think that somehow that is going to please God, that is like, well, that is like um, harnessing a couple of mules to a Ferrari. Hope you see how ridiculous that is. If you hook up a couple of mules to to pull a Ferrari down the street, it defeats the purpose of owning a Ferrari. Everybody knows that the purpose of a Ferrari is to rev it. So you get the flames coming out the back. Maybe I should be talking about a Lamborghini because they throw the flames a little bit better. It defeats the purpose of having a Ferrari. The law cannot do what Christ has done for you. Look to him, trust him, be filled afresh with his spirit and walk in the newness of life that he freely and fully gives you and bear fruit to God. That's our calling. Saying that we need the works of the law to make us right with God is saying the grace of God is nullified And the death of Christ is superfluous. It's useless. Let's not go there.
0: Thanks for listening. For more information about Christ City Church in Vancouver, please visit ChristCityChurch.ca.
1: We invite you to join us in praying that God's kingdom would come in Vancouver as it is in heaven.